Now, last week, we, uh, well, two weeks ago, we heard from Pastor Reggie the story about Jacob and Esau. Esau gave up his inheritance for a bowl of lentil soup. He gave it up. He reacted based on his natural instincts. He said, I'm famished and I'm about to die. Give me some of that soup. What did Jacob say? No problem. Just sign over your inheritance to me. Just give me your birthright. Because when the twins were born, Esau was born first. But Jacob was grabbing at his heel. That's why the name Jacob means supplanter. In Tagalog, manipulador. Right? Another word, wais. Here is our uh, Tagalog uh, translator at the back. When we have expanded our service, you will be down there and uh, explaining. All right? So, what happened? He got the inheritance. Why? Because Esau gave it up. He reacted to his situation. He did not respond. Now, what is the difference between react and respond? Is there a difference? Beautiful. React. Involuntary or unconscious caused by stimulus. A physical or an emotional reaction. Somebody cuts you off on the highway, almost hits your brand new car. What is your natural instinct? Your involuntary or unconscious? <coughs> and then you see his plate. California exempt. Undercover cup. Now who is in trouble? <laughs> now, how about to respond? Okay, react is by impulse. Respond. It is generally a conscious decision, an element of free will and forethought. First Corinthians chapter two verse fifteen tells us the man with the spirit appraises all things. He evaluates. He makes a judgment call. He does not simply react. How many of you do impulse shopping? Black Friday. You don't need anything, but you are the first in line. Right? You are the first in line. Buying things you don't need. With money you don't have to impress people who do not care. Beautiful. See that? Don't make impulse decisions. Many of your impulse decisions are no good. Yes? Chuck Swingle, I'm, I know many of you know him, he said, life is 10% what happens to you. The 90% is how you react to that thing that happened to you. True? Yes. We also shared with you, we challenged you, what intentional discipleship is. I'm not going to show you the results again. You already know. And we gave, up this, you, we gave you this working definition. Intentional discipleship is proactively helping the believer 
grow in Christ-like maturity by modeling and teaching humble obedience to all that God commands. Is that here in Matthew 28? Does God want us to obey all? Does God want us to disciple? Does God want us to evangelize? Yes. The question is, are we doing it? Are we proactively obeying the Word of God? That's the question. And I shared with you the M&Ms. The M&Ms of intentional discipleship. The mission, which is to make disciples. The method is discipleship. The measure is to obey all. And the model is Jesus Christ, who obeyed all. Did Jesus Christ struggle, quote-unquote, with obeying all? Father, if it is possible, remove this cup. Father, if there is any other way to save these people, to save these sinners separated from you, if there be any other way, yet, if this is the way, I accept it. Let this cup pass. Yet not my will be done. It's hard. It's hard to obey all. That's why we challenge you. Keep that command always before us. My goal is to try my best by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, to obey all. Because what does the Greek word hamartia, which means sin, what does it really mean? To miss the mark. So keep that goal, keep that target always before you. It is not so that you are saved. It is because you are saved that you want to obey all and bring glory to God. That's why Jesus Christ said, Father, glorify me. I have accomplished the work that you've given. Glorify me and bring me to the place where I was before. Which just tells us that Jesus Christ was already there in glory before he became a human being, went to the cross, carried your sin and mine, and after three days, he rose again to give you and I eternal life. Amen? We continue this morning with our study in the book of Genesis. We're done with the four great events. The creation, the fall of man, the flood, and the nations. We're done with Abraham. And this morning, we talk about his son. His son, Isaac, from Genesis 25 through 26. We began talking about Isaac. Right? And do you remember? Abraham chose his wife. He sent the messenger to go to their land, not to marry some other woman, but to go. And then God moved and brought back his wife, Rebecca. You remember? Who, at the, at the time that Abraham died, who blessed Isaac? Do you remember? Why are all of you looking at... It was God. God blessed Isaac. You are blessed to be a blessing to others. Was Abraham blessed? Yes. And who passed on that blessing? God passed on that blessing to Isaac. 
Why? Because Abraham was faithful. God called Abraham out from the Chaldees and told him, you will be a father of a great nation. All nations will be blessed through you. And from your seed, all nations will be blessed. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the son of Abraham. Was he really the son of Abraham? Not directly, but through the seed and through his genealogy comes the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. So we continue with Isaac. And this morning, we will read from Genesis chapter 26, verse 1 to 14. So may I request everyone to stand as we honor the reading of God's word. Let's all read together, verse 1. Now, there was a famine in the land that had occurred in the days of Abraham. The Lord... Sojourn. And I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants. Stars of the heavens will give your descendants all these lands. And by your descendants all the nations shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. So Isaac lived in Gerar, where the men of the place asked about his wife. He said, for he was afraid to say, thinking the men of the place might kill me on account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. It came about when they had been there for a long time. Looked out through a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was caressing his wife, Rebekah. Then... Behold, certainly she is your wife. How then did you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I said I might die on account of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech charged all the people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Now Isaac sowed in the land, and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household, so that the Philistines envied him. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word. Allow us, Lord, to listen to what you have to say to us. Allow us, Lord God, to be transformed by the power of your word as we humbly obey it in our own respective individual lives, Lord God. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will enlighten us and to give us wisdom, understanding, and the will to obey. This is our prayer, Lord God, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. The title for this morning's uh, message is very simple. Make it a habit to respond in faith. Can you read that with me? Make it a habit to respond in faith. What's the title? Ah, yes. What's the title? What's the title? Why am I repeating myself? 
to make it a habit. Why? What is a habit? A disposition or condition of the mind or body acquired by custom or a frequent repetition of the same act. Habit is that which is held or retained, the effect of custom or frequent repetition. Hence, we speak of good habits and bad habits. Some of us have different habits. Some of us, the moment we wake up, we go to the toilet, we brush our teeth, we shower, etc., etc. Some of us, different. How many of you beat your alarm clock to the alarm? None of you? See? Why? Because you're already used to it. My alarm clock is set at 6. I usually wake up ahead and turn off the alarm. Why? Because it's already second nature. It has become a habit. Where does the habit come from? It comes from frequent repetition. It becomes part of you. They say that it takes about six weeks for you to be able to form a habit. You do it every day for about six weeks. They say you will be able to establish that habit, whatever that is, whether good or bad. See, habits can be good or bad. For example, it is your habit to react rather than to respond. That's a habit. You can also make it your habit to respond instead of reacting. Right? For example, you are interviewing for a job. Uh, Mr. Nolan? Yes. Please come in. You're in front of the interviewer. You're applying for the job, okay? What does that communicate? Huh? See? I am reluctant. I am closed. My guard is up. That's why those who, you know, how you go through these trainings and everything, when you go for an interview, your posture should be open. Yes? Joam, you're nodding? Yes. When you go, you're open. I'm here. You're presenting yourself. But when you go like this. So what? And then usually the question, how do you see yourself in the next five years? Yeah. And then the interviewer, the applicant will say, I will be sitting where you are sitting. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Nolan. We will give you a call. They will never call because you want to get his job. Now, the bad side, for example, I'm not saying any of you are. You have a habit, a bad habit of watching pornography. No one is around. No one will know. How do you protect yourself? Don't be alone. You all know Pastor Nathan Lee, right? I'm not saying he's addicted to pornography, okay? 
I'm not the one saying. If you've been to his seminar, you know that at one time he was. Right? Now let me give you an example. His wife, Didi, went to the U.S. You know what he did? He gave me a call. Said, in song, do you want me to take care of your D group for the next two months? Why? Is something wrong with the way I conduct my D group? No. My wife is going to be out. And I don't want myself to be exposed. You know, when I'm alone, I have the computer, I do a lot of stuff. Sometimes these pornographic sites, they just pop up because through virus. He didn't want to fall into that trap. So, me, I don't have to take care of my degro for the next two months. Go ahead. So he would drive from Antipolo down to Makati. And I would check up on him by text or by call. Brother, is your computer on? What are you looking at? Accountability. Discipleship. See? Because habits are either good or bad. It's up to you. Habits are results of your choices. Look at what Stephen Coffey has to say. So a thought, reap an action. So an act, reap a habit. So a habit, you reap a character. So a character, and you reap destiny. So a habit is formed by the circle. There is a cue, there is a trigger, and then you react. And then there is a reward, whether a positive reward or a negative reward, whether you're doing something that brings glory to God or you're doing something that does not bring glory to God. So you have to make sure that the habits that you're developing are the right habits. How many of you have read the Bible through and through? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass. Why? Maybe it's not become a habit yet for you to start reading your Bible. Because you don't feel, you don't see the urgency of the reward of knowing the Word of God. Okay? So you have to do it. It's the circle. You do one thing, there is a response. There is a big, before you know it, it is a habit. I used to smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. It's a habit. It's a bad habit. By instinct, when I wake up, ah, even before I say good morning to my wife, I say good morning to Mr. Winston. U.S. military. You don't buy local. Very bad. Don't follow my example, young people, okay? Before I get to work, I have already taken three or four sticks. One when I wake up, after the shower, when I get into the car, when I get off the car. That's four. And then I make up all kinds of excuses. How many packs did you smoke today? Uh, three. Why? I have nothing to do at work. Work was so light. The next time she would ask, this is my wife, how many packs did you smoke today? Three packs. Why? Work was busy. <laughs> Hello? It's already a habit. Right? And you don't know you're really addicted to it already. And you just say, you know, it's a habit. I can kick it anytime. 
is not easy to kick a habit. It is not also easy to develop a habit. Why? What's this word? Can you read it? Habit. I'll remove the H. What do you have? Mm. You have a bit. Still there. Okay. You still don't like it. I'll remove the A. Oh, you still have it. It's still there. Let me remove the B. What do you have? See? Still there. It's hard to develop a habit and it's also hard to kick a habit. Alright? That was the title today. Make it a habit to respond in faith. Why? Genesis 26 verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. Now when we started, when Abraham was called by God from out of Ur, there was a famine, right? And where did he go? He went to Egypt, right? Aside from that famine, here comes another famine. So how do you know that there is a famine? The ground is dry. Oh, in Manila, what is that? When, when there's a drought, what do we call that? Over here, when they say El Nino, what? It's raining. It's different. <laughs> Over there, La Nina. Right? Over here, whatever. There was a famine. When there is famine, you cannot plant. When there is famine, you cannot plant, you cannot harvest. When there you cannot plant, you cannot harvest, you cannot eat. Is it a problem? Yes. How will I survive? There is a famine, and this is not the only famine. This is the, aside from the famine, previous. All right? So what did God do? The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land of which I tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give all of these lands. And I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. Woe to... Why? Why did he say don't go down to Egypt? There's a drought. So go to Egypt. That's the knee-jerk reaction, right? When there is a problem, where do you go? You go directly to the? Of what you think the solution is, right? What did God say? Is the solution in Egypt? No, he said what? Don't go down to Egypt. I will be with you. I will bless you. I will give you all the lands. I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. Doesn't matter what your situation is. For so long as God is with you, you're in good hands. So he told Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Why? Abraham went to Egypt. He said, woe in Isaiah 30. Woe to the rebellious children who declares the Lord. Who 
execute a plan but not mine and make an alliance but not of my spirit in order to add sin to sin who proceeded down to Egypt without consulting me to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Why? Why is God rebuking them? Because they went to Egypt without consulting God. They reacted. They did not respond. They did not inquire of the Lord. God, we have a problem. What shall we do? They didn't do that. Why is God rebuking them? Isaiah 31. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. God is very hard in the Philippines. We will just go to the States. Did you consult God? Or did you just tell God? God, I've already made up my decision. I'm going to the States. Bahala ka sa buhay mo. And then, you encounter problems over here, like the commercial in the Philippines. Ibalik nyo ako sa Pilipinas! You don't consult God. But who gets the blame? God. God. Why? Why did you not help us? Why did you forsake us? How can God bless you when you and I are disobeying Him? God already told Isaac, I know there's a famine. Don't go down to Egypt. I will be with you. I will bless you. I will give you everything that you need. Look at verse 3. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you. I will bless you. I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. What was the promise of God to Abraham? Will he be blessed? Yes. Will he take possession of the land? Yes. Will God multiply them? Yes. Look, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. Wasn't this the promise of God to Abraham? Look at the stars. Count them if you can. So shall your offspring be. Yes or no? I will give you descendants all these lands, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Is this not the same promise that God gave to his father Abraham? And now this promise is now given to his son Isaac. Now why? Why is God reminding Isaac of his presence that he will fulfill his promise? What is what is it about Abraham? Can we read this? Because Abraham obeyed me, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So many. All we know is Ten Commandments. My, command, my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. Obeying all. Unless your Bible's marker is black. You like this yellow. I like this promise, green. 
I don't like this black. God expects us to obey all. What was his command to Isaac? Stay put. Just like his father Abraham, sojourn in this country until I tell you to go to this place that I will show you. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound like the promise of God to Abraham? Yes. Now why was Abraham blessed according to verse 5? Because Abraham obeyed. Remember this? The word of God, you believe by faith. And if your faith is real, it will translate into obedience. You will put it into action. Why? Because you believe. Alright? Now what happened? So Isaac lived in Gerar. Alright? Did he obey God? Huh? Did he obey? Yes. God told him to stay put. And he stayed put. He did not react to the famine. He responded to God in faith. You have to make it a habit to respond in faith. So that when things like this happen, you know how to respond. Alright? Now he lived in Gerar. But then, when the man of the place asked about his wife, he said, she's my sister. For he was afraid to say, my wife, thinking the men of the place might kill him on account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. Does it sound familiar? Who about the people that we have talked about in the Bible thus far lied about his wife? And who is Abraham? Oh, Abraham, his father, lied about his wife, Sarah. Here is now the son lying about his wife, Rebekah. Like father, like son. Now, was Abraham perfect? No. Abraham lied about Sarah in Genesis 12, verse 19, when he lied to Pharaoh when they went to Egypt without consulting God. And then, in Genesis chapter 20, he lied again to King Abimelech of Gerar. Sounds family. Stay in Gerar. Who is the king of Gerar? Abimelech. I don't know if I'm King Abimelech. Wait a minute. You look familiar. Same story. Now, why? Why did Isaac lie? Because he was afraid. My wife is beautiful. They might kill me. There's another side. Your wife could be so ugly. They will kill you too. Why did you marry such an ugly person? I mean, you don't deserve to live. I don't know. What I know is God, Isaac said, I told them she's my sister because she's so beautiful, they might kill me. Can I share with you this? 
fear cancels out faith. And the reverse also is true. Faith cancels out fear. Was Isaac afraid? How did he react? He lied. Why? Because they might kill me. Because if I say she's my wife, for the people to be able to get her, they have to kill the husband. Then she will become available. But he did not think if she's just the sister, she's already available. Right? So he decided to lie. And it came about when they had been there for a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out through a window and saw and behold, Isaac was caressing his wife, Rebecca. Nabukin. Right? Hulika. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, certainly she is your wife. How then did you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I said I might die on account of her. Do you see how God moved even in this situation? He, God, protected these pagans. He protected King Abimelech and the people by not allowing the people, the Philistines, to take Rebekah, whom he misrepresented to be his sister, when in fact, she was his wife. You see, God can use even pagans. God can use unbelievers to speak to you, to guard you, to protect you, to teach you. God intervened and protected King Abimelech and his people. To the point, what did King Abimelech do? Abimelech said, What is this that you have done? One of my people might easily have lain with your wife and would have brought guilt upon us. You see, even he understands. Now, this is a pagan king, but he understands things. So Abimelech charged all the people, saying, He who touches this man, Isaac, and his wife shall surely be put to death. Mm. Don't touch this sojourner. Don't touch his wife. You will be answerable to me. Did God move? Even if Isaac acted, reacted on his fear, did God still move and protect the people? Yes. God still moved. Why? Because God is faithful. So what did Isaac do? Now Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. How is it that Isaac could plant and reap a hundredfold in the same year that the ground is parched? It is dry because of a famine. How? Because of God's blessing. Only because God promised to Isaac that God will bless him and that his descendants would take the land which he promised to his father Abraham. 
The presence of God in our lives is already a blessing. But praise be to God that He still desires to bless us even materially, emotionally. Aside from His presence. You see, many people think that, okay, I have God, and then if I have a nice house, I will be happy. God plus a beautiful wife, I will be happy. So God is not enough for you. Especially to the singles. I'm almost, oh, 30 na lang, 30. I'm almost 30. I still do not have a BFF. My best friend forever. Alright? So what am I going to do? God is not listening to my prayer. And because of your fear that you will not be able to marry and have a family of your own, what do you do? PNY. Pwede na yan. Pwede na. God will understand. PNY, not BNY. I'm not political, okay? You see? You throw away the word of God, which says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Oh, we memorize that verse. But the scarier, the scarier verse, if you ask me, is the one right after that. For what does God have to do with Baal? See that? You cannot mix oil and water. That's why God is protecting us by giving us His command. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But, God, I'm pushing 40. Sige na, pwede na yan. Isaac obeyed God. And what happened? Against all odds, in the midst of the famine, he planted and he harvested a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And aside from that, what happened? And the man became rich, continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy, for he had possessions of flocks and herds, a great household, so that he was, so that the Philistines envied him. Against all odds, God can bless you. And in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your tribulation, God can bring you up. Do you believe that? But you have to make it a habit to respond in faith. You have to make it a habit to respond in faith. Remember this? This is what God says. I believe it by faith and therefore I will obey. Despite all the odds, I will obey. I have to make it a habit to respond in faith. Because what is faith? According to Hebrews 11 verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I think one of the ways that we can really understand faith is this. What is this? How many of you take the airplane to travel? Raise your hand. 
Not all of you take ayon nyo, you'd rather drive. Statistically, the percentage of death by car accident is higher than death by airplane. Okay, just for your thought. But look at this. This is a cockpit of a U.S. Air Force jet pilot, jet jet plane. All right. What do you see? Instruments. When you ride the plane, do you see the pilot? Do you see him steering, communicating with the tower, preparing what it needs to be done, pre-flight check, etc., etc.? How do you know there's even a pilot in your plane? For all you know, he's just there. This guy, Major Gregory Young, all right? He crashed his F-15A fighter plane in June 26, 2007. His plane crashed into the Pacific Ocean. $32 million lang naman yung plane. Why? Because there is such a thing as pilot's vertigo. He thought he was flying up when in fact he was flying down. Why? Because you don't see. You don't see, oh, 5 north, 405 south. You don't see that. You have to rely 100% on your instruments. If you don't believe that your instruments are giving you the right readings, you're going to have a problem. In the same light that Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty of things not seen. That's why it is very important to make it a habit to respond by faith. So how do I respond in faith? You like to know? Very easy. You all know this. You need to pray. But our prayer is an acrostic. First, you must pause. Don't make a rash decision. Pause. After you pause, you resist the impulse. Because all of us, we are alive. We make, you know, we are affected. Right? So resist the impulse. Resist the impulse to react. Okay? A. Ask. The Holy Spirit. Okay? And then when you inquire, when you ask of the Holy Spirit, you must yield your will to what the Holy Spirit is telling you. If you don't pause, lana. If you don't resist, lana. If you don't ask, walana. You paused. You asked. You resisted. But then, you still did not yield. Still nothing. You will still react rather than respond. Now look at this circle of concern. I have two circles for you. Big circle and small circle. Alright? Now the bigger circle is the universe of everything happening around you. The smaller circle is within your control. The bigger circle is outside your control. So what are you responsible for? Huh? 
The small circle, the things under my control, which is what? Your response or your reaction, right? The things outside your control, can you do anything about that? No. But what do we do? We respond, we react to the things that are outside our control. Others are so spiritual. Pastor, I read in Deuteronomy, the secret things belong to the Lord. Can you tell me what the secret things are? And I will ask you, kaya nga secret eh. Why are you concerned with things outside your control? You, should, you and I should be responsible. We should respond to the things that are only within our control. Those things that are outside our control, what do you do? You leave it to God. You pray, you pause, you ask, you resist, and you yield. Human eyes, there's a famine, I'll go to a better place. What did God say? Stay put. I will bless you. I will be with you. Whatever I promised to your father, I will fulfill through you. Just stay put. Follow. Did he follow? Yes. Was it in, was it in his control to obey God? Yes. Was the famine outside his control? Yes. But did he worry about the famine? No. Because he believed in God. So what should you do? Faith. Make it a habit to respond in faith. Therefore, our faith should be on God. The object of our faith should be on God. Trust. Have faith in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And what will He do? He will make your path straight. Fear will cancel out faith, right? So what should you do? When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can mere men do to me? Faith in God and faith in God's word. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. How do you and I know the thoughts and machinations of the Lord our God? Through His word. So you and I have, have to develop that habit of responding in faith, but that should be premised that you know God by reading His Word. There's this one famous author, the way that he starts his day, well, before he, he goes to bed, his slippers are tucked underneath the bed. I said, why? So that when I wake up, I have to get down on my knees. Then he begins his day with prayer. Because he has made it his habit, my slippers or my bedroom, whatever, is underneath. So that when I wake up, I have to get down on my knees to get my slippers. And that will remind me, it's time to meet with God. And why is faith important? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that he is a rewarder to those who seek him. Is it important to respond in faith? Yes. Make it a habit. 
Chuck Swindoll, whom we quoted earlier, says this, The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude, the mindset, the resolve that we have that we will embrace for that day. If you and I practice this, we will react less and respond more. Why? We'll be conscious. I'm not just going to react to the situation around me. I'm going to pause, I'm going to ask, I'm going to resist the impulse, and I'm going to yield to what God says for me to do. Now, let's do some application. Wives, remember, circle of control. What is within your control versus what is outside your control. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 24, as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands. In what? In everything. But God, you don't know my husband. He is so unloving. He is so cold. What is the circle of control? Are you within the circle of what is in your control or are you already delving outside? Husbands, you're not excused. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. You are supposed to be the sacrificial lover, leader, provider. Right? But God, you do not know my wife. She is so disrespectful. She does not follow what I say. Where are you? You are in the circle outside your control. So if I'm a husband and I am, I should follow what God tells me despite how my wife treats me. Yes or no? Wives, despite your husbands, how should you respond? Submit with respect in everything. Children, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother for this is the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Children, what are the two things that God commands you? Obey and honor. It's not only to obey. If you are obeying but you're grumbling, you are still violating God's command. But God, you don't know my parents. They are so strict. Up to now, they give me baon one dollar. <laughs> Young people, what is God commanding you? Obey. There's one more. Obey and honor. So the young people are talking, how about our parents? Well, I have one for them too. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in what? In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But God, you do not know my children, hard-headed, they don't follow, they don't study. Kindergarten, repeat three times. <laughs> do not provoke 
in the other translations, do not exasperate. Why don't you be like your brother? Tapos na boxing. Those of you who have more than one child, that's a tendency. If one is excelling, the other one is lagging, you know, that, that the temptation is, you should be like him, you should be like her. See? I can only deal with what is in my control. I should leave those aspects outside my control to God. I'll do my part, but I have to leave that to God. I can only be accountable and responsible for my response to things that are in within my control. Let me give you some general stuff. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Keep it holy means set it, asar- set it apart. Make it a different day. So what you and I should do on the Sabbath should be different. That's why we dress up differently to honor the Sabbath. That's why, Lord willing, you will wake up earlier to come here for our big meeting. I have a pair of shoes. This pair of shoes I only wear on Sundays. I've set it apart, so to speak. Not making a drama about it, but I just decided. I don't come here in shorts and slippers because I want to honor is to be different. There are those of us who really have to work on the Sabbath. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those of us who have the choice. It's about choices. I choose to wake up early, to prepare early, to don my what is called Sunday best. Why? Because I want to honor the Sabbath. How about this? Tax season, malapit na. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this now, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. God, bali muna, bali. Utang muna. Test God. Respond to God in faith. This is the only passage in Scripture that tells us to test God in the area of finances. How am I? React. Uh, we didn't get our bonus, so saka na lang. Okay. That's within your control. That's within your decision. Right? That's really up to you. I cannot be and we will not be your conscience. I'm just showing to you what God has to say about it. He says, bring the whole tithe. Is it hard? Yeah. It's hard. But will God supply If you believe by faith, God will supply. God, there is a famine. Why don't you just tell me to go somewhere where there's no famine? No, I want you to stay there. I want you to see how I will move. And I want the people around you to see how you will be such a blessing. So, our discussion questions as we apply. What's the message? Make it a habit to respond 
in faith. All right. Are you ready for our discussion questions? We're going to break out. All right. Very simple. Husbands, what is the most difficult thing about your wife to love? All right. Wives, what is the most difficult thing to respect your husband? Children, what is the most difficult thing to obey and honor your parents? And so that we have application, how do you plan to respond in faith? God Almighty, thank you for the example of Isaac and thank you for your faithfulness to him. His father obeyed and he was blessed. And you have passed on that blessing from Abraham to Isaac, who likewise, Lord, decided to follow you and he was blessed god we are not perfect but you are perfect and even with we even when we fall even we, when we don't do right even when we sin against you you are still faithful towards us and we pray that you will teach us to develop a habit of responding to you and to our situations by faith be with us now, Lord God, as we discuss the application to this message this morning. As we thank you for being with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.